Hey guys, welcome back. We have the final installment of Dean Coral for you guys today. Finally, on the murder show. Oh yeah, it's the murder show. <laughs> welcome to the murder show. We got Carmen, we got Carmen here. Hi, <laughs> we got Lily. Hey. <laughs> So Lily today is going to tell us part three of Dean Coral. You guys, we made it to the Fucking end. Okay, finally, <laughs> and it's a good. It's gonna be good. Um, be I'm so not good. doing another three parter until I like am actually good at this and know how to research and like get all my what? information. What you've been doing in one amazing. Sitting. I feel like I'm missing so much just because there's so much. You but. know what? There's always gonna be more that you can add. Yeah, I could. Like, there's like novels on this, so yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, okay, I'm gonna get started. So first, I have a few corrections. Um, okay, the first one: bones are actually one of the best places to get DNA from. Isn't that crazy? I was like, no, 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 skeletons, <laughs> skeletons don't have DNA. Um, but is it because of what you said? No. Oh. Well, I think it, you can find it if they're, like, really decomposed, but apparently we have, like, a lot of our DNA in our bones. So it's just, sure. like, a okay. place to get it. Um, we're not scientists, so <laughs> sorry about that. Um, my other correction is it's pronounced Vider, Texas, not okay. Vidor. I actually okay. drove through Vider this weekend. I went and visited <laughs> my friend in Louisiana, and I was like, how do you pronounce this town? And she goes, it's Vider. And I was like, Vider. okay, cool. Well, you know, we're also not uh, linguist, linguistic experts. Linguists or... Um, <laughs> Linguists. Speech pathologists. Or what's no. the... What if cartographers? No, they make maps. Yeah, but they would know, right? <laughs> they, like, write it all um, yeah, down. Yeah, they could probably know. They would probably know <laughs> um, if they write it. Okay, and then my last correction is... Um, I was talking about how some of the victims were misidentified, and I was talking about how Roy Bunton was misidentified as Michael Balch for many years. And it is correct that that's they were misidentified, but how they identified the bodies was incorrect. So one of the unidentified bodies in the morgue ended up being Michael Balch, and that was in 2010. Okay. However, there was a body they thought was Michael Balch that had been buried in the 70s on the Balch family plot. So... Once they found out Michael Balch was actually in the morgue in 2010, the body in the Michael Balch grave was exhumed. The real Michael Balch was right. put in the grave. And then in the two years that that body was exhumed, they found out it was Roy Bunton. Oh, that okay. Sense? That was hard to follow. Sorry. But so basically no, we no, had I'm thought just... that like they exhumed the body and then found out that it was misidentified, but they right. only exhumed the body because they identified the real Michael Balch. Okay. From one of yes, the bodies totally. that was unidentified. Yes. Right. Sorry, that's really confusing. But... No. No, it makes complete okay. sense. Okay, I'm going to jump right into it now. So on August 8th, 1973, just five days after James Draymala was murdered, Henley brought his friend Tim Curley to Coral's place. Tim Curley was intended to be Coral's next victim. After hanging out at Coral's for a while, Tim and Henley picked up Henley's girlfriend, Rhonda Williams. Rhonda's father had been really, it was really abusive and he had beaten her up that night. So she called Henley like, please can you pick me up? I don't want to be at home. 
Rhonda Williams had been the girlfriend of Frank Aguirre. That's what we decided. It says Aguirre. I think Aguirre. Aguirre. Frank Aguirre, who was the You can sec- correct us. Anyone, yeah, please. Anyone. So Rhonda Williams had been Frank Aguirre's girlfriend. Oh. And Frank oh Aguirre was lured God. to quarrel by Henley. And she – And now Henley yeah, was right. dating and her. And now Henley's dating – What the fuck? Yeah. And, and she has no idea. She had no idea. And Rhonda <gasps> – Oh my gosh, she probably was like so sad of her boyfriend going missing and Helene was there to comfort her. And Rhonda was later interviewed and said, Wayne, who is Henley, Wayne Henley would always tell me that I shouldn't keep waiting for Frank to come back, (gasps) that he had a feeling he was gone, but I never thought he might actually have any idea why (gasps) Frank wouldn't come back. Oh my God. This poor girl. So gross. Did she have a hand in at least stopping Coral? Yeah, yeah. You'll see. You'll see. So. Oh, Okay. (laughs) Around 3 a.m., Henley, Rhonda, and Tim all went back to Coral's. So Tim was the guy that was supposed to be the victim that night. But right. Henley went to go pick since, up Rhonda. Now they're all at Coral's. Since she's there. Yeah. So all three are at Coral's. Okay. Coral was fucking pissed at Henley yeah. for bringing back a girl. Yeah. Henley kind of calmed him down, he thought. But he didn't. Um, spoiler alert. All three of the teenagers smoked pot, they drank some beer, and Henley and Tim also bagged paint, aka they sniffed paint to get yeah. high. <laughs> so Oof. um after around two hours, the three teenagers finally passed out. And that's when Dean Coral hogtied all three and he gagged Tim, Rhonda, and Henley. All three. He hogtied all three of them. Hen- and what Hen- – wait, so, okay. No, keep going. Keep going. So Henley had his mouth taped shut, his ankles bound together, and handcuffs on his wrist. Tim and Rhonda were bound with nylon rope, gagged with tape, and laying face down on the floor. Tim was also stripped naked. So they – basically, Dane acted cool till they were all super fucked up and passed out. And when they passed yeah. out and, like, inebriated as fuck, they're teenagers. Like, right. you get so fucked up when you're a teenager. Oh, my God. Of course. And so – he tied them all up while they were like passed out. Wait, I have a question. For other victims, do we know if they were also under the influence when yeah, they were so subdued? Yeah, so basically like the whole thing was like they were just kids wanting to party. So they would right. start partying like mo- more times okay. than not. They were partying yeah. and like drunk mm-hmm. or it makes it easier for yeah, coral. Way yeah. easier. Okay. So when Dee noticed that Henley had woken up, He started screaming at Henley. Dean said, man, you blew it bringing that girl. And then he shouted, I'm going to kill you all, but first I'm going to have my fun. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He started beating Rhonda Williams by kicking her in the ribs and chest. (gasps) Because he was, like, channeling so much anger towards her because now he had to kill Henley, too, for some reason. He felt like he had to kill Henley, but. Right. So, he was angry. He was so angry. Yeah. Dean then ripped the tape off of Henley's mouth, and Henley was begging Dean to stop, and Dean took him into the kitchen. He was still tied up, but he his mouth mm-hmm. was no longer, like, covered with okay. tape. While holding a gun to his stomach in the kitchen, Dean said that he was going to murder all three of them, including Henley, because he ruined everything by bringing a girl over. Henley tried to calm down Coral, and after 30 minutes... 30 minutes, Henley convinced Coral that he would participate in the torture and killings. So Coral released him from his bindings. 
so Henley would kill his girlfriend and the yeah. help Coral kill his girlfriend and the boy. Yeah. And imagine being 30 like, minutes. It took 30 minutes to convince Coral. And imagine being Tim or Rhonda who are tied up, hog tied for 30 minutes. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Are they awake now? I It's kind of unclear. I think they were kind yeah. of like coming in and out of it. I think Rhonda was definitely awake because he had okay. kicked her and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then Coral dragged Tim Crowley and Rhonda Williams to a back room that had the torture board and the floor covered in plastic. Dexter vibes. Rhonda and Tim were tied to either side of the torture board. Rhonda was tied on her back with her back on the torture board and Tim was tied with his stomach facing the board. And that was so that they could be easily assaulted because Tim would be assaulted from behind. Okay. And Rhonda would be assaulted from the front. So they're both going at the so two Tim. At so the, the same board time. is like the board is upright, and Tim's on one side, and Rhonda's on the other. Right, but didn't only one side of the board have those straps? I, I'm not sure, but I think so. It had like a peg on it. Like at first, it was like mm-hmm. a hook thing, and then there was nylon rope tied to tie them up. So I think he could put nylon rope on the other side and just like have two okay. nylon ropes because it was like a circular hook thing that held it. How the fuck did he come up with this? I don't know, but he's a fucking creeper, so. Uh. He's so gross. Okay, so Coral handed Henley a hunting knife and demanded that he cut off Rhonda's clothes. Dean wanted to rape and kill Tim while Henley raped and killed Rhonda. Tim at this point was fighting back and screaming. So, like, Tim woke up and he was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, And was, like, screaming through his gag and trying to get out of the torture board. And while this was happening... Henley removed Rhonda's gag, and he was making a bunch of noise, Tim was, so Rhonda whispered to Henley, is this for real? Wait, so he actually liked Rhonda? It was his girlfriend. Or is he having, like, an epiphany moment right now? That's yeah, but, that's the question. Like, I don't know if yeah. this was, like, the final straw, or if he thought that she's a woman, so he treated her differently. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Or the fact that, like, he's... No, because he participated before, so it's not really that he has to do it now. Because he did involve himself earlier. Yeah, it's like, is it the final straw or is it because it was mm-hmm. his girlfriend? Like, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know because he also killed his own friends. Exactly, but or does helped, he see it differently because they were like friends. boys? I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. So Henley responded like, yeah, this is fucking for real. And then Rhonda said, are you going to do anything about it? Okay, nice girl. Like, yeah, are you fucking going to do anything about it, bitch? <laughs> So Henley apparently like really didn't want to hurt her. So he yeah. he Henley asked Dean if he could untie her and take her to another room. Coral completely mm-hmm. ignored him, and that is when a fucking just a flip switched in Henley's brain. Henley grabbed the gun and screamed, "You've gone far enough, Dean." <gasps> As Dean was like dismounting from Tim, Henley kept screaming, "I can't go any lo- go on any longer. <gasps> I can't have you kill all of my friends." Oh my gosh. Wait. Oh my gosh. Henley is redeeming himself. I get oh, you could say that. Yeah. But I'm getting like mixed emotions about him because this is like really good. Obviously, we know all this bad stuff that he did. But oh, I don't know. I'm getting mixed emotions. I think he's like. But I mean, Henley himself shot like multiple boys and killed them. I know. So that's I why know. it's like. 
So he screamed, I can't have you kill all of my friends. And as Coral, Coral was walking closer and closer to him and saying, kill me, Wayne, kill me, Wayne, like egging him on. And he Hen- thought he wasn't going to do it for sure. Yeah. He thought he had the power 100%. And Henley was like trying to make more space between them and kept stepping back. But Coral kept walking forward and walking forward and yelling, you won't do it. Kill me, Wayne. You won't do it. And then Henley shot at Coral and hit him point blank in the forehead. <gasps> but the bullet failed to penetrate his skull and Coral continued <gasps> to lunge at him. Fucking Henley. hard ass. <laughs> hard ass head. <laughs> oh my god hard head he continued to like lunge at henley and henley knew that he was like in fucking trouble now he just shot him you know so he shot him again he fired two more rounds and he hit coral in the shoulder and at this point coral was like fuck and started running out of the room oh oh really and he made it even with the even with the hit shoulder yeah, so he like, got that's hit on the shoulder, de- but it's not mm-hmm. deadly. So he was like, but I think he knew like he's gonna keep shooting me. I think he thought oh, okay. he's like, oh, so he's not gonna shoot me. But then he was like, oh no, this guy's like totally shooting me. So he yeah. started running, but mm-hmm. before he could get away, Henley caught up to him and fired three more shots into his back, his lower back and shoulder. <gasps> Coral's body slid down the wall and he died. Did he die by bleeding out? Uh, yeah. Or did he die from getting? I'm not sure. Actually, didn't okay. I like yeah. couldn't even look up his name anymore. I was like, Fuck "Can you this. imagine getting fucking shot and the bullet ricochets off your head?" <laughs> and you're like, it doesn't. Your skull's so thick the bullet doesn't go through. I'm like, is this just because it was an old gun? Like it was the 70s? Or? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that he just has like a really thick skull. But can you imagine that you're like walking towards someone and they shoot you in the motherfucking head and you're like, did you just shoot me in the head? Because you're like still alive. And you're like, huh? <laughs> like, would you even register that it hit? Maybe it just feels like a headache. Because it would still hurt. For it would, sure. Yeah, it would definitely hurt. But Yeah, it would definitely hurt. But I would be like, huh? <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, imagine shooting them and them getting up after you shoot them in yeah. the head. You're like, what even the worse. fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, even worse. Like, is there a brain there? Or are you, like, literally concrete up Especially because you think that, like, Henry thinks that Coral is, like, all-knowing and, like, insane. And then sure. he fucking gets shot in the head and lives. I would be like, can I kill this motherfucker? I would be horrified because then I'm like, is this guy fucking invincible? Yeah, Jesus right? Christ. Like, uh <laughs> I finally build up the courage and you're yeah. going to have my bullet you're not gonna die. your head. <laughs> so bad. So his so Coral's body was naked and bloody on the ground facing the wall. Later on, Henley would say his only thought after shooting Coral was that Coral would have been proud of him as he had been training Henley to oh. react quickly and forcibly. <gasps> oh, fuck. Is yeah. Tim okay? I mean, he was raped, I think, for a little bit at least, but they end up being fine. So, Does I don't know that like actually for sure. Him? Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so I'll get there. So, Henley released Rhonda and Tim from the torture board, and they all oh, got dressed. Okay, so then the three of them were like, "What the fuck do we do?" And Henley told Tim and Rhonda that they should just fucking go. Like, you guys should leave. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. One, you're in shock. Henley just killed this guy. These two have been like tortured for the last and they don't know that any of these boys they think they're all runaways like these people think the boys ran away too 
what are you supposed to do? Go home? Like, oh, I'm just going to go home? <laughs> the fuck? No. no. Like, you're and that's what Tim time. said. Tim said, no, we're calling the cops. Like, oh, oh thank God. I, I feel like Tim. Right? Tim. And so they used I Coral's, like, yellow pages to get the Pasadena Police Department number. No 911? I don't think there was 911 yet. It wasn't centralized oh. until, like, I think the 80s or something. Oh. I'm not sure the exact dates, but. Wasn't it during that one um, thing in New York with the bystander effect is when they centralized 911? I don't know what year that was. It might have been the 80s. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I, I know I've learned about it before, but I can't remember. So we can tell you guys another day. Next time, we'll, our correction will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, they got the Pasadena Police Department number. And on August 8th, 1973, at 8.24 a.m., Henley called the police and said, y'all better come here right now. I just killed a man. He then proceeded to give the address to the operator. You know what? I think I've heard this call. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I heard this call because last podcast on the left, I believe, play it. Oh, shit. I think. They, I they're know. really good. They do like five-parters, so I'm sure that. Yeah, but but it's really like kind of said in a matter of fact way like just how you said yeah Yeah. he's like i you better fucking come i just killed this guy yeah right right while the three teens waited outside henley admitted that he had done that four or five times and he was alluding to shooting someone to death like he admitted it to the other kids there like tim and yeah Rhonda. yeah imagine your boyfriend all of a sudden you're like what the fuck is going on both of them must like i because they were friends. You'd be like, am I getting punked? Like, what the yeah. fuck is this? So. Sorry, I keep saying that F-bomb so much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Henley also told Tim, if you wasn't my friend, I could have gotten 200 for you. But, excuse me, you already got $200 for your friends. No, they got they got $200 in 1972 money. Which like ends up being oh, which, close which to a thousand. was a thousand our money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh my god! An officer arrived and saw that the gun was on the ground, and the three teens were like sitting on the curb. Henley indicated that he was the individual who had made the call and told the officer that the body was in the house. The officer then grabbed the pistol and placed the trio in the back of the patrol car before entering the home and finding Coral's naked, dead body. The officer returned to the patrol car where he read Henley his Miranda rights. In response, Henley said, I don't care who knows about it. I have to get it off my chest. Wow. Okay. I mean. He's 17, good, dude. Like I know. I'm, just, I'm happy that he's being honest. I really am happy about that. It's so because hard because they're so young. They're so young. He's been through so much and I know that he did a lot of bad shit. But like this – after everything, this is the least you can do. Right. It's the least they, they – for everything yeah. they did, they acted correctly, I think, in the aftermath. Yeah, I agree. When Henley was in custody, the police were initially questioning Henley pretty aggressively, but Henley told the police what happened the previous evening and that morning, and he claimed that he shot Coral in self-defense. I mean, it's not not true. It's No, it, it is true. And But at first yeah. the police were like, okay, what the fuck's going on here? Why'd you shoot this older guy? Yeah. You guys are 17. Why are you in his apartment? Yeah, but then Rhonda and Tim's statements corroborated Henley's and okay. the detectives began to believe like this was an yeah. act of self-defense. Mm-hmm. This is when things get a little bit dicey for Henley. Mm-hmm. So the police started questioning Henley about Coral 
they asked, why does Coral have all these handcuffs? Why does he have a torture board? Why is there plastic sheeting? Why is his van converted into a moving torture room? Henley said that Coral had once bragged about killing boys and burying them in a boat, boat storage shed. That's all Henley says at first. He's like, oh, one okay. time Dean told me he killed boys. So even though the police found all this shit and had Henley admitting this, they didn't believe him. They just thought this was like a drug-fueled issue. And Mm -hmm. other things the police found included large hunting knives, rolls and rolls of the clear plastic, a portable radio rig to have louder volume, which I think is probably a torture thing, or to cover up noise. Probably. Yeah, cover up screams. Yeah, covered up an electric motor with loose wires attached to electrocute people. Oh. Eight pairs of handcuffs, a lot of dildos, thin glass mm. tubes that he would stick up their rectums and penises and smash, and a, a wooden crate with air holes drilled in the sides, and lots of rope. Police, even though they had all this stuff they found, they still thought that he... Coral had just died in this like drug field argument and that was self-defense for Henley. Um, and the police didn't believe Henley until he told them three names, Cobble, Jones, and Hilly Geist. Hilly Geist mm. being his childhood friend. Mm-hmm. These three boys were all listed as missing at the police department. So then the police started to take this seriously. Sure. Mm-hmm. If Henley had not said anything, it is likely that the police would have never learned about the murders. Yeah, which is great that he actually was honest. Right. And just to talk about other things they found at Coral's, really, I'm just going to stick this here. So his van was completely outfitted for torture. The windows were sealed by thick black curtains. There was rope. There was a rug that was covered, like, soiled in, like, poop stains and pee stains. Another wooden crate with air holes drilled in the side and a pegboard wall rigged with several rings and hooks so like every wall had a pegboard on it that was like rigged so it was like a big torture room oh my gosh it sounds like kind of like toy box killer so disgusting. in a way i wonder if like were the boys lured into the van or once they were already like not the word is not decapitated what is the word i'm no What's the word? Captured. Captured. <laughs> Captured, but like, you know, like, no, not, yeah, like, kind of like. Like bamboozled into going with them. Or like, tied up or something. Then he would take them in there. I think they usually pick them up, like, in Brooks's Corvette, or Dean had, like, a cool yeah. sports car. So they would use those to, like, right, lure the boys to pick in. Them up. Yeah. But then I thought they would go to the apartment. They would go to the apartment, but also, I think. That at some point, Dean had picked up people in his van, and he would use that to transport the bodies as well. Yeah, for sure. I Oh, I just got a really bad thought in my head. Did he also torture the bodies after they were dead? It doesn't say. I don't know. It's definitely possible. Okay. Um, So after hearing this from Henley, the police believed him, and they raced down to the Southwest Boat Storage which was a dry land marina, and they brought Henley along with them. There, the detectives entered stall 11. It was windowless and had little airflow. They started digging immediately. Oh, my God. I'm going to post – we're going to post a photo of that stall. It's really small, and there's no windows, and there's 
tons of bodies buried there. I can't even imagine what the fuck it smelled like in there. Oh, horrible. They found the first body within minutes. Yeah. One of the detectives on the case, Larry Earls, said to get the smell of decomp and rotting bodies out of his nose, he was chain-smoking cigarettes. But someone else had to put them in his mouth because his hands were dirty from digging and having, like, all the residue on his hands. Also, they're using prisoners to search the boat shed. So, like, there's police officers they're digging, but also there's two prisoners on the first night. There's two prisoners. And then the rest of the search, they use prisoners. So. um, Is there not enough police officers to do it? I don't think they wanted to. Is so, it like this is a thing that they still do to use prisoners? I think it is. No, I have no idea. That's so fucked up, though. It's so fucked up. <laughs> I would be it's like, so I'm good. Uh, no thanks. Oh my I'll stay here, and for free too. Like at least give them. But also, like, money, what if they were you know? also murderers and they were like into it? Oh, I pre- like, they probably don't choose those. I mean, I hope they don't choose <laughs> those guys. Well, who knows? They're fucking terrible. They probably do. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So, at this point, everyone thinks Henley is a goddamn hero for killing this guy. Like, they have no idea how involved they, yeah. he is. They just mm-hmm. think, oh, my God, this man is so mm-hmm. bad and this young man killed him before he killed – like, before Coral killed this young man. Like, good mm-hmm. for him. They don't even know about Brooks yet. They have no, no idea. No, no. Brooks is like, who's yeah. Brooks? Who yeah, he? yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. – <laughs> <laughs> he's like living his best life yeah. away from all yeah he's this. like I, I fucking i'm out yo okay yeah. so reporters are walking right up to henley at the storage shed to interview him and police like don't give a fuck because he's not even really in custody because they think that it was self-defense that he didn't actually kill coral they're not going to charge him for that and they're like he brought us to all these but guys how would henley know about all the bodies in the shed if he wasn't involved in some way hello right so hello it even was filmed of Henley calling his mom at the boat shed and crying, Mama, I killed Dean. That was that's like what filmed. I heard. That's what I heard. That's the audio that I've heard. I killed Dean. Like that, yeah. no? Mama, yeah. I killed Dean. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can definitely find that on the internet. These reporters and the police like felt bad for this kid. And when the police mm. got fried chicken for dinner, they made sure Henley got some. Oof. Okay. Yeah. So the next morning came and the police were – so they had stopped digging at like 1230 or something. And they were like, we'll dig the rest tomorrow. So they knew that there was a lot more because of Henley? I just think that they were like, holy shit, they keep finding bodies and bodies when they were digging. Okay, so, so they were going to keep, keep looking. Digging. Okay. Yeah. I don't okay. think Henley said like, oh, there's 20 bodies here or whatever yet. Yeah, because then, come on. <laughs> it's so right? obvious. But okay. So the next morning, the police came and they were also digging up more bodies, but they also had a few more questions for Henley and they were getting suspicious of Henley and Henley broke like almost immediately and he admitted. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. Like that makes 100% sense. He doesn't want to lie. I feel he definitely doesn't want to lie. They're over this shit. Like. He doesn't want to hide this anymore. He's been manipulated. Well, that could be debated, I guess. He was at least manipulated at first. Yeah. And influenced by him. And, and I they're think that so young. They're so young. Like, they're so there's young. so many stories of like kids 
it's like the Central Park Five that all confessed mm-hmm. when they were that young mm-hmm. because they were getting interrogated by police. Like yeah. when you're that young, you can you do cannot stand a chance against the cops. That's why your parents have to be with you if you're getting right. questioned. Like mm-hmm. there's no way that he wasn't gonna break just because of his age. I feel. Yeah, of course. Also, I I think that he just wants to be honest at this point. He admitted that for three years, he had brought teenage boys to Coral, who then raped and murdered them. In Henley's yeah. statement, he said that he initially thought the boys had been abducted and sold to Dallas-based organization for homosexual acts, sodomy, and maybe later killing. So that, oh, oh, uh, but that's like the porn ring that... Yeah. So okay. he's like telling the police, at first, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. But then he Yeah, I mean that is true, no? That's yeah, it's how true. Coral got yeah. But it was after one murder that he found out. Not a bunch. Oh, okay. Okay. He admitted that he found out that it was Coral who was torturing and raping and murdering these boys, not the organization. And he also admitted to participating in the torture and murder of six to eight victims. Yeah. Soon afterwards, Brooks was escorted to the Houston Police Department by his father, who told police that his son had something to share with them. <gasps> Wait, so Brooks voluntarily? I guess I guess his dad was like, you fucking hung out with that guy. Did you know what was going on? And then he told his dad and his dad brought him to the cops. Oh, Brooks. I, know. I mean, I've, I don't have sympathy for Henley. I just think he's fucking crazy. No, I, th- I think but- Henley, I mean, I'm thankful that he decided to be a sliver of a good person by telling them however no sympathy but brooks i really just feel Feel like yeah brooks confessed to his involvement but denied ever personally being involved in any of the torture or murders Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is true right i think that's true yeah i mean I, i don't think he has a reason to lie so at this point henley had taken police to the lake sam rayburn burial site and later both boys henley and brooks took officers to high island beach when the beach was being dug up by the police, it was full of bystanders, and they did an awful job of, like, securing the scene. At one point, a chihuahua jumped in one of the graves and was barking like fucking crazy. Oh, my gosh. Put and a leash on your motherfucking dog. Why are there even people at the beach Why are there still? Why the fuck are there people there? There were literal children playing with shovels in the sand while the police were digging up the bodies. And they didn't remove them. The families or the couples or the people. Easiest way to traumatize your child. What What the the fuck? fuck? (laughs) The police should have been like, we have an active investigation, murder investigation. Everyone needs to move. Right, right. Because like if the police just show up on the beach and are just digging and they're not shutting down the scene. I'm not going to be thinking they're looking for a body. No, no. I'm going to think that they're looking for, like, a diamond or something. Yeah, you know? Like, they're searching for <laughs> not treasure. Not that. Like, They're not looking for so, a fucking body. Yeah. They would no, tell me sure. to leave if they're looking for a body. I'm sure that's what these for people sure. thought. And then they're like, what the fuck is going on? So, Dean Carl would bury bodies in the sand. Yeah. But what if the sand was washed away? It's not... The Gulf is like different than a California beach because it's a Gulf. Okay. Is it muddier? It's muddier and it's not you not have like you don't have waves. Like you can't surf in the Gulf. Oh. It's not like water is like it doesn't flow in and out though with the tide. There's a tide, but it's like not as crazy as it is when you're on a California beach. Okay. Like you're not on the ocean. The water isn't okay. as like rough and you don't have waves. 
Okay. I mean, you have waves, but, like, there's no way you can, like, surf. Okay. Like, it's not enough to be, like, yeah. bringing out debris to uncover something. Yeah. Especially okay. the where the Houston is in the Gulf. It's, like, extremely yeah. protected. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ripe for hurricanes, but I'm guessing there was no major hurricanes in mm-hmm. the three years okay. that this happened, that they were buried there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There were children playing in the sand well. They were digging up bodies. So fucked up. Another interesting thing about the beach, I think, is that NASA is based in Houston, right? So, Mm -hmm. and this was such huge news that one of the astronauts actually ordered a helicopter from NASA that had infrared equipment to fly over the beach to look for more bodies. And I I just thought that was cool. Yeah, that's really, really nice. Some of the more recent victims at the boat shed were identified almost immediately including Marty Jones. Marty Jones was the cousin of a homicide detective named Carl Schiebenneischer. Schiebenneischer? It's a German. It's hard to say. (laughs) Um, And Carl Schiebenneischer was a homicide detective who happened to be on the scene when they found Marty's body. Mm -hmm. Carl ended up committing suicide in 1977 after the discovery because it, like, literally destroyed him finding his cousin's body in the shed. Yeah, it's really sad. And this happens over and over again. Like, people are literally destroyed. It just didn't just destroy, like, kill these 27 boys. It killed, There's ruined so their families. more victims. Ruined their families, yeah. There's also Henley's family. They're all victims, too. His mother. Brooks's family. Like, it's it's not just yeah, the people yeah. that died. It's really upsetting. Bodies were identified through IDs and social security cards that were found near remains or their clothing that was buried with the bodies. And that's why things were misidentified because some people mm-hmm. had different clothing buried with them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So soon enough, families in the Heights were getting their doors knocked down by police, but also reporters. Josephine Ag- Aguirre had already lost a son. So she's Frank Aguirre's mother. Right. And she had accidentally killed her son because she accidentally oh. ran over him at school. Oh. Her other son, like, just a few oh. years before Frank went missing. Oh. Betty Cobble um, was a mother that quickly returned to her job as a florist to get her mind off of her son's murder. However, she was often providing flowers for the funerals of the other victims. Danny Yates' family moved to another part of Houston, hoping to escape and get a fresh start. However, the family slowly fell apart and the parents soon divorced. And this just goes on and on. Each of these families were torn apart. The Waldrop's father, who I talked about in part one, who went to the police station almost every day, he moved to Atlanta. He read Brooks's confession and learned that he had been working across the street from Carl's apartment where his sons were murdered. Oh, my God. He told the Houston Chronicle. Maybe he had them in the apartment when I went to work. Maybe they were being tortured right next door and I didn't know it. I f- he, I feel so sorry for it. And there's more stuff to him that I'll talk about in a few minutes. So I'm a glass. Jimmy's mother was extremely devastated and just started spiraling. She would see boys hitchhiking and scream that they needed to pull over and check if it was Jimmy. Her husband mm-hmm. always obliged. Always, mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. According to Willie Glass, Jimmy's brother and uh, Ima's son, one day, Ima got a gun and grabbed my younger sister Pamela and dragged her to a back bedroom. When the SWAT team arrived, she fired a shot into the floor and yelled, 
they're not going to steal Pamela from me like they did my Jimmy. We got the pistol away from her and took her to the Harris County Psychiatric Unit. She was never the same, and neither were the rest of us. Dean Coral didn't just kill 27 boys. He killed 27 families. Right. Mm-hmm. so sad so, so sad um but is it really just 27 families i think that's the question it's a lot more so at the time coral was the worst serial killer in terms of like numbers so he beat mm-hmm. the record of juan corona who was arrested in 1971 for killing 25 men in california coral's more never heard of him yeah maybe we can do him next time yeah never so, heard of him Coral's morbid morbid record of 27 bodies was later surpassed in 1978 by John Wayne Gacy, who was highly influenced by Coral and even copied his torture board. Really? Gacy was a little bitch. He was a huge copycat. You need to listen. So in like right when Morbid started, they did John Wayne Gacy. I think they did John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. You need to listen to them do it because it talks about how he was a fucking little bitch and just copied everyone and never had his own idea. I had no idea idea about that. He never had his own ideas and he like totally copied Coral. That's like, okay, so that kind of brings up an ethical question though of like – Should this even be in the media? Should this information like the nitty gritty like details be disseminated in a way that is able to be copycat like that? Right. And Gacy like really, really copied Coral. You know, like if all the reporters were putting it out and everything. I mean, what are we doing I right mean, now? now? I mean, we're a part of the Yeah, no, we're a part of this for sure. But it definitely brings up an ethical question. Yeah. Or like for, – or you know what I mean, like putting the pictures out so you can see exactly how I think the pictures like. are super fucked up, but – Yeah. So as you can guess, like a lot of people were really pissed off at the Houston Police Department, most of all the families of the victims – yeah, they, was there any prosecution against the police? So they the families argued that the police should have seen the trend of missing boys and the patterns that included employee being employees of the Coral Candy Company, knowing Brooks, Henley, and or Dean, um, that they were all from the Heights neighborhood. Um, so like there's so many patterns that these boys like yeah. all were a part of that should have been picked up on by the police, but they were all just labeled as runaways and pushed to the yeah. side. Mm-hmm. Um Everett Waldrop, who was the father of Donald and Jerry Waldrop, complained that shortly after his sons had disappeared in 1971, he had informed police that an acquaintance of his had observed Coral burying what appeared to be bodies at his boat shed. In response, the police performed a performative search around the boat shed before dismissing the reports (gasps) as a hoax. Are you fucking joking? No. 1971. There were, like, 20 more boys murdered after that. <gasps> also, remember when the mom reported the car? Yep. The police had their fucking hands on their dicks not doing shit. How do you not search the boat shed or look up the car? They weren't doing anything. There is so much incompetence here. That's so here. basic. There is so much incompetence here. If I go missing, please hire private detectives. Like, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, what the – so bad. So now I'm going to go to the trials of Henley and Brooks. So they were tried separately and Henley was first. So mm-hmm. Elmer Wayne Henley was brought to trial in San Antonio on July 1st, 1974. He was charged – So they had six- to move it to San Antonio. Yeah, they moved it to San Antonio. He was charged Oof. with six murders. Only six. 
27 okay. bodies were found. Henley was charged mm-hmm. with six murders. Mm-hmm. They called Tim, who was there when Henley shot Coral, that last victim mm-hmm. that didn't turn out to be a is victim. Is he getting charged for Dean Coral? No. He is not okay. getting charged for Dean Coral because that was okay. self-defense. He's getting charged for yeah. six boys. Six boys. Yeah. Okay. But so why are they having Tim? So they brought Tim to testify who was there when Henley shot Coral. And then they mm-hmm. also called Riddinger, who was the boy who had escaped Coral that I talked <gasps> about in the last episode. He's so brave. Uh, well, he's, so, he's brave. so brave, but he has been like extremely quiet trying to hide his identity and especially his Aww. face. Um, he even wore a paper bag over his head, like outside of the courtroom and in the courtroom to hide yeah. his identity yeah. from reporters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you can. Why not- do we have his name? I think because he testified, his name is out there, but there's like no images of him really. Okay. Okay. I, I'll send you the photo. You can see it, but it's a paper yeah. bag with eyes cut out and a mouth cut out. Yeah. That he was, he's being like escorted through the court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, do what you have to do. Yeah, I think so too. So, and I, uh, he probably feels so guilty for not going forward before. Oh my gosh. Especially like maybe now we would have more empathy, but back then I'm not sure if people would have like oh, the no. same empathy for that. They would have called like, you're not a man. Like, or the families would maybe yeah. put some blame on him or so. I mean, we, yeah. we have no idea. That still could happen today, 100%. Obviously, the prosecution had all of Henley's written confessions because Henley said everything to the police. And this was added in his confession. So Henley admitted to luring two victims, Cobble and Jones, to the Pasadena residence. After Coral abused and tortured them, they were bound to Coral's torture board by one wrist and one ankle. They were forced by Coral to fight each other, and whoever beat the other one to death would have a chance to live. <sighs> okay. After several hours, Jones, they were beating each other for several hours, but neither of them died. Jones then watched as Cobble was assaulted and shot to death. <gasps> Jones was then sodomized and strangled with the cord from the blinds. So much shit came out in the confession that is just disgusting. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, so 82 pieces of evidence were introduced, including Coral's torture board. Henley did not testify, and the defense did not call any experts or any witnesses. Hmm. During the trial, the prosecution apologized to the jury for not being able to seek the death penalty, saying that it was the most extreme example of man's inhumanity to man that they have ever seen. They couldn't get death penalty because he's 17? Yeah, I think so. Oh my gosh, and you know that if he got death penalty, bye-bye. In Texas? Yeah, bitch. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Did he get any charges for um, being an accomplice? No, they just charged him or for, for the kidnapping. Just for the no, six So murders. nothing for kidnapping? No. Okay. So, I mean, they probably knew that they could get him on the murder, so they just didn't even try I to add I think also or... nowadays it's really common to add everything on the charge, so the sentence yeah, but maybe is longer, back then. but back then they right. were like – and also they had him for six murders, so. Yeah, okay. After 92 mm-hmm. minutes, the jury found Henley guilty of all six murders. He was sentenced mm-hmm. to 99 years for each victim, served consecutively, mm-hmm. which means he's serving for 594 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So – Henley appealed this, obviously, stating the jury wasn't sequestered so they could get information or whatever. Mm. But I don't, that I don't the know media if that changes anything. That the media was in, allowed in the courtroom even though their lawyers asked for them not to be. And that the initial I mean, trial should never have been held in San Antonio. 
What? No, it makes sense that it'd be held in San Antonio. Well, he was awarded a retrial in 1978. Oh, really? That's shocking. But why would they hold it in Houston? It makes sense they would hold it in another city. I don't know. San Antonio and Houston aren't close, are they? Um, They're not far. They're like not far. Two hours. Okay. Austin, Houston, and San Antonio make like a triangle. They're all like two yeah. hours away from each other. Okay. But it's, I think it's still far enough away, and it's a different city. Well, I, well, his his attorneys apparently asked for it not to be in San Antonio in the first place, and okay. they still had it okay. in San Antonio. So that's why his appeal went through. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he won his appeal, and in 1979, his, his second trial was held in Corpus Christi, which is a lot closer to Houston. So mm-hmm. he, had brand, he had two new attorneys Oh, so they well. wanted it closer. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So these att- attorneys attempted to have Henley's written confessions ruled inadmissible, but that was denied. And the retrial lasted only nine days, with Henley's attorneys mm-hmm. again calling no defense witnesses and again attacking the credibility of Henley's written confession. The defense also contended the evidence provided by the state belonged to Dean Coral. It didn't belong to Elmer Wayne Henley. Like, all this evidence you're presenting, this isn't Henley's stuff. You found it at Coral's right. house. It's like... Why are you presenting this to Henley's trial? So pretty much well, they just have the confession. Yeah. But I mean, but it but that was what the defense was arguing. It doesn't mean the jury listened to them because No, yeah, for sure. I mean, but I I think that the argument makes sense. I mean, yeah. I'm glad that it didn't work, but so the jury deliberated for two hours before reaching their verdict. Henley was again convicted of six murders and sentenced to six concur- um concurrent ninety nine year terms. Mm-hmm. So Exact same thing in the retrial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for Brooks, he was brought to trial on February 27th, 1975. This was a year later, a year after Henley's Mm -hmm. initial trial. He was charged only with the murder of William Ray Lawrence. So he was only charged with one murder. I don't don't really know. Like, I don't know why they picked and choose who... I also don't think everybody was identified. Did he have the most involvement with that one or, or... Like, how did they prove that he had? I think that maybe he, like, confessed that he brought this boy there. But I don't think they had identified a lot of the bodies either, so they couldn't be, like... I would assume that he'd be charged with, like, 27 accounts of kidnapping. Right? But the thing is, like, is it kidnapping if he just says, let's go party, and then Coral ends up tying up the boys? Like, he could argue that he was just taking them to party. Like, he didn't kidnap them, well he you know? would have to prove that he didn't know that he was that coral would do that because if if he knew coral was going to tie them up then yeah that's kidnapping yeah so and also know. like all the burden of proof all rests on the prosecution so brooks's attorney argued that brooks was not involved in any of the murders and portrayed coral and henley as the main participants in response the prosecution said that this defendant was in in on the killings. This murderous rampage from the very beginning. He tells you he was a cheerleader, if nothing else. That's what he was telling you about his presence. You know he was in on it. Brooks is so. That's what the prosecutor said. Right, and it does make sense. He is an accomplice. For uh, yeah, sure. for sure. So Brooks's trial lasted less than one week. The jury deliberated for just ninety minutes before they reached a verdict. He was found guilty of Lawrence's murder on March 4th, 1975, and sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm. Brooks showed no emotion as the sentence was passed, although his wife had bursted into tears. Uh, so he was... M- oh, wait. 
he was Remember, married. Or did he, he got married in that summer because his wife got pregnant oh, and they had a baby oh, girl. Oh, yes, yes. I thought that they were just boyfriend and girlfriend, but they were married. They had to get married, So yeah. why did they not pursue death penalty for Brooks? Because when everything happened, they were all under 18. Like when the murders did happen, they were – the murders they were charged with, they weren't 18 mm-hmm. yet when the murder happened. I think it depends on okay. how old you were when the act was committed, not okay. how old you are when you get arrested. Okay. Okay. Brooks also appealed his sentence, contending that the signed confessions used against him were taken without him being as fo- informed of his legal rights, but his appeal was dismissed. Mm. Henley is serving I mean, his life He sentence. also went to the police himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like, what did you think was going to happen? They were going to say, oh, thank you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. So Henley is serving his life sentence at the Mark W. Michael unit in Anderson County, Texas. He has since been open to talking to the press and has said he doesn't regret anything he did. Mm. Okay. That's fucked fucked up. That's fucked up. So you really don't regret anything? Like, especially, especially right after. He, like, doesn't regret anything, he was saying. Ooh. But I think now that he's, like, up for parole, he's saying that he regrets it. But Ooh, slimy. Successive parole applications dating from July 1980 have been denied. He is next eligible he's for parole. He's never going to get parole. In Texas, fuck no, dude. He's not. Like, why are you even trying? He is next eligible for parole in October 2025. It's not happening. So Brooks served his life sentence at the Terrell unit near Rocheron, Texas. When he was questioned by Sharon Derrick, the forensic anthropologist we talked about in earlier episodes, he had never spoken to anyone other than a few close friends about his role in the murders. Brooks opened up to her and he told her, I wish I had told my mother what he was doing to me. If I had told her, I wouldn't be here now. Because he had been sexually abusing Brooks since he was 12. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And Brooks wasn't involved with any of that murder stuff until he was 15. He was literally groomed right, for three right. years. Like He was completely groomed and completely manipulated. Yeah. His wife had a daughter in July of 1970. I wrote 197. So the year that they went, they got arrested his wife. Probably 1973. Yeah, it's probably. His wife had a daughter and the daughter would regularly visit him when she got older. She died of a car crash on the night of her high school prom. And it's, like, so sad. When he was getting interviewed by Sharon Derrick, he was just, like, breaking down into tears talking about his daughter's death. Um, and then, to make it even worse, Brooks died of COVID-19 on May 28th, 2020, oh. at the age of 65. Oh. Henley is still alive and kicking, but... Brooks, Brooks just at one so after the him. other. It's so sad. I feel like he never had a chance. Never. Never. And we can argue back and forth. Like, of course, he could have done things differently. But people that have been groomed and abused since they were in middle school mm-hmm. and you're 15 when it's like when the murders start. I just think that. Yeah. I wonder if like he's a lot less culpable. Oh, 100%. I think you have to take that into account. I mean, yeah, he got charged with one instead of six. So, I mean, that's because it's factually accurate. Um, and he never fucking held a gun to anyone's head and shot them. Yeah, I'm like still Henley kind of did. confused why he was charged with murder. Like, I wonder what the evidence was instead of kidnapping or being an accomplice to a murder. 
which maybe like it was first degree or was it like I'm just kind of confused by that it was first degree because he got a life sentence right so I yeah maybe we had to look into that or something yeah um it's interesting to be that he'd be charged with that there they must have had something to be honest yeah, or Henley testified. You never know. Like, or Henley said that Brooks did this one, you know, just Yeah, like, yeah. Well, they must have had some sort of little anecdotal evidence that supported that maybe he took it Or also, like, that time. this was so sensationalized in Houston, and people had a lot less empathy at that time, I think, for, like, mm-hmm. things like abuse. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that they just – I mean, after 90 minutes, they found him guilty. I don't even think they needed yeah. any evidence to find him yeah. guilty. I just mm-hmm. think he would have been found guilty no matter what. So yeah, I think they no, knew I if to- they just charged agree. him like with one murder that like, he would be found guilty get and get life yeah. in prison. Mm-hmm. For sure. I wonder like how this case would have gone differently if it happened today and we knew a little bit more about grooming and like the I don't think I don't, power dynamics. I don't think Brooks would have died in prison. But who knows? No, I, I think he would have got charged and sentenced a bit differently. Yeah, me too. So after all this came out, people that worked at the Coral Candy Company recalled that Dean did a lot of digging in the years before it shut down, which was in 1968. <gasps> oh, And all no. these murders started in 1970. Oh, no. So he told no. everyone at the company that he was bearing spoiled candy to avoid an infestation. <gasps> no. What he did then that, cemented like, make an infestation? Bruh, where's the logic? Right? He then cemented over the ground where he had dug. Please tell me they dug it up. Nope. What? It's still not been dug up. What? Employees also remember Coral having rolls of the same clear plastic that was found in his house during that time. They they didn't do anything? Mm-mm. So he employees said he was digging this whole time he had those big clear plastic rolls the same rolls that were found at his home after the murder and you have to believe that he was killing people before brooks got involved in 1970 there's no fucking way he 100 was please police dig up the fucking area and also also there's more so there are two strange gaps in between the murders so I talked about them in the last episode. There was a six-month gap, yes. and then there was a four-month gap. So during the four-month gap of February and June 1973, um, so that was the four-month gap, in March of 1973, Mr. and Mrs. Abernathy had reported to the Gallison police that they observed three men carrying mm-hmm. and burying a long-wrapped bundle at Galveston State Beach. <gasps> Coral and Henley were identified by the couple as two of the men. Really? Two women also observed three men digging at the beach in May 1973. However, the police refused to extend the search to this beach. But do we really think Brooks and Henley, if it was them, wouldn't talk about this? Henley said there's more bodies the whole time and the police, yeah. the police yeah. refused to keep searching. Yeah, so they they are telling the truth then. They are saying that, yes. Yeah, they're saying there's more bodies. So... Also, okay, sorry, I don't know if this is appropriate to put in here, but since you mentioned Galveston, it reminded me of Rob Durst, and he got convicted. So I'm just putting that on the podcast. He just got convicted? He got convicted and sentenced 
too. I think. Oh, I think I saw those for the Susan Berman case. So another Galveston case. Well, actually, not the Galveston case because he was acquitted, but the Los Angeles case. He got convicted. So I, you have to wonder why the police didn't keep looking if every single piece of evidence points to there being more bodies but first of all it's not like they even fucking look at evidence they're fucking incompetent as shit yes i there should be an investigation has there been any like call for investigation to the police department if your suspects are telling you there are more bodies if there are more missing boys from this neighborhood if there are people saying i saw people getting buried here blah 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 why the fuck aren't you looking and it's suspicious. Bob Wright, who was a Houston radio reporter, says he was told by a detective that once the body count surpassed the U.S. mass murder record, the search was stopped. They just didn't even care anymore. But also, they didn't want to beat it by a ton. They didn't want to beat it and make it the record they didn't 40 because be that looks so bad. But if they beat it by one or two, oh, look, California had one, too. It's not that bad. But we I still see. beat California. I see, I see, I see. By I one see. or two bodies, but mm-hmm. and the reason it's all because of optics. Houston was supposed to be like yeah. the city of the future at this time, but yeah. it got fucked by the media all across the globe. It's it's actually mm-hmm. crazy. The Vatican newspaper said <gasps> that Houston was the domain of the devil. Really? And the Soviet the Soviet Union main paper in the Soviet Union said that the police were indifferent and incompetent in Houston. And that's why well, the totally boys were missing. Makes, it totally makes sense that the USSR would say something. Yeah. But also Especially the USSR like was speaking NASA. facts. They were saying that it's incompetent. Yeah, oh my god. And, they're completely yeah, speaking facts. And they're going after Houston because of NASA, like during the Cold War exactly. shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, totally. like all over the they world. They keep up with that shit or they kept up with that shit so diligently. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so interesting that like literally it was picked up all over the world. And wow. in response, what do you think the Houston PD did? Um, did they try to pay reporters not to report anymore? Um, I would say they did something worse. The police chief, Herman Short, hosted a press conference where he said the boys were runaways whose parents did a bad job looking after them. The Houston mayor, Louis Welch, said that the police can't be expected to know where a child is if his parents don't. Bro, that's like half your job is to what your, your whole job is to protect people. What are you talking about? Literally so bad. Let's that's honestly really classist because weren't these families working families? Too? Yeah. So okay, yeah, who's gonna work for you when you wanna go get food or you wanna have services done other than these working class families? It's so disgusting. It's like you want, How are we supposed to know their if their parents don't know? The parents don't know. That's why they're coming to you. That's your fucking job. That's your job. That's your job. They have other jobs. Guess what? Yeah. They have other jobs. But so, do you? know this is your job. It's literally so infuriating. But kind of circling back to everything, that is the end of the story. But nearly four decades after Houston's most notorious serial killer and the killings came to an end, Texas EquiSearch is still hoping to bring missing victims home. Mm -hmm. They believe that there could be 20 victims buried around Houston. Mm -hmm. On their website, they say Earth Measurement Corporation will be using a sophisticated piece of technology called ground penetration radar 
to help mm-hmm. Texas EquiSearch locate the still missing boys. We have been researching the murders very intensely over the last few months, and we believe there is a good probability that we can find and recover some of the still missing boys. We will soon be working with investigators from the Pasadena Police Department and other law enforcement agencies to find more of those young boys' human remains. The boys need to be found and given the respectful, decent funeral they deserve. Mm-hmm. I do think that the inland places, they'll be able to find bodies. But the sad part mm-hmm. is that Houston has been devastated by so many hurricanes. Yes. It's believed that many yeah. of the bodies, especially those buried on the beaches, will never be found. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of my story. <sighs> wow, Lily. Um, that was thank you for telling us that story it's insane like literally cannot believe all of that happened that was a lot so thank you for researching it and telling it to us (laughs) and let's just not forget the victims let's not forget that the work they're doing to find more victims i think it's amazing that you ended on that they need i think and i think they're going to i texas equisearch is pretty legit like people, yeah. people will use Texas EquiSearch to look for missing people and find them. So, mm-hmm. um, the other thing I want to say is like, if you have a teenage boy, these boys just mm-hmm. wanted to go smoke some weed and party, and we're going with people they know. Like, I think it's a really mm-hmm. big warning. Like, yeah, you think you're invincible when you're that age, but you still need to be careful. Absolutely, and I think also. Well, I would hope that our society is more like this, but we can even be more of like ascribing gender roles and the patriarchy hurts everyone. And this is a classic example of how boys on their own, their runaways, independent, whatever, they can be victims as well. And just because they're not like little girls doesn't mean that they're not vulnerable people exactly like you need to how you look out for your best friend when you're going to the bar your girlfriend you also need to look out for your guy mm-hmm. friends because shit can easily 100%. happen to them too everyone's 100%. vulnerable in the world it can be really scary but you have each other and mm-hmm. i'm lucky i have carmen to listen to me tell this mm-hmm. shit i like where i you <laughs> i love you okay thank you guys for listening i'm glad that's thank over. you everyone um carmen you want to take it away yeah so if <laughs> now I'm forgetting. Oh, so we have our Instagram, which is Murder Show Pod. We have a Patreon, which is Murder Show Pod. You can email us at murdershowpod at gmail. And we're going to be coming out with new episodes. Um, so once we're done with our two parter and three parter, which was the uh, Roche Therio and the Dean Coral. Now we're going to be delving into new cases. So you'll have we're a done lot more with variety these. coming up. More variety. Um, we're done with this shit. <laughs> yeah. So my next episode will be like kind of a current event. So keep updated with that. And Lily, do you want to say goodbye? Do you sign off? Um, bye, everybody. Bye. Enjoy Thanks your for week. to the murder show. Yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy. Bye. Bye.